0: what is up everybody welcome back to a run your mouth podcast we got a pleasure today every once in a while i just throw it out in the world and i'm curious about a topic and then turns out we got real live experts we're listening right on the chat feed they send me email robsnews at gmail.com and we can dig in and get a bit of an education today's episode is brought to you by yoke home of the 60 kilo and there's no organization of all of america that supports a christian rapture quite the way yoke home of the 60 kilo does so if you guys are into that kind of thing go grab yourself some kilos and now let's get some education here so uh Mr. Benjamin from uh, ThinkHardThinkWell.com. We're going to dig in a little bit into Christian gospel. We're going to convert some people. I might be going to church later. Why don't you let people know a little bit about uh, your professional background?
1: Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I am a professor. I've served as a professor of biblical studies. I've taught at universities and seminaries in Europe and in Asia and then a couple of adjuncting gigs here in the U.S., Uh, My family and I were Christian missionaries uh, overseas for a little while. Um, So, yeah, you're going to get the full on, you know, inside scoop on all this stuff. Um, And I was um, I've published articles uh, on and books on the Hebrew Bible, uh, the old what Christians call the Old Testament. That's mainly my specialty. Uh, My my dad is is Jewish and was raised in Brooklyn not in a particularly religious household and then i was uh, raised in what we would call an evangelical household uh, with the kind of perspective that was very supportive of israel and what was going on in israel and uh, even though as you'll see as we get get kind of you know deeper into the weeds here i no longer hold that a specific theological perspective that makes me want to support Israel politically. I, you know, have been in that world and can, and I understand their arguments. And I still have to say, I'm not trying to throw those people under the bus. I still consider those, those Christians, you know, my brothers and sisters, I, I'm just afraid that they are compromising how Christians should stand for justice in the world because they have this theological blind spot that causes them to Um, support Israel. So I'm hoping that today I can put on my kind of scholarly hat (laughs) and, uh, you know, explain why it is that many American evangelicals in the last couple of hundred years have come to support Israel.
0: Love it. So let's get into uh, the rapture talk a little bit. But before we do, (laughs) uh, just kind of going off what you were saying there, I like I'd like to make it clear. I I do. uh, I support religious people. I support everyone in having their religion, uh, I kind of, uh, I guess conceptually at the moment, are taking issue with two very specific things. One is, I think anyone in the United States government that is secretly holding post because they're pushing some sort of a religious uh, agenda or interpretate, interpreting the Bible uh, for some sort of a need for killing other people, hmm. uh, I don't see as very—it's it, not the version of God that I'd like to believe in. Um hmm. And so I like, I, I just want to make it clear because I, you know, I am a comedian, I do make jokes and I definitely will poke fun uh, a little bit as we go here, um, just in terms of digesting information. I don't know gospels, I don't know, um, but I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. And I, I, I assume you probably even have a similar stance.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I am not interested in seeing uh, the Bible, the, the Hebrew Bible or the New Testament used to promote violence. and. Uh, maybe maybe we should actually start there first, because I think there's some really important points that are relevant for how evangelicals have misunderstood the way that they should think about the Old Testament and the way it relates to the land and the people uh, and, and, and the Jewish people. Is that all right if we go there?
0: Yeah, well, well I'd love to throw out. Yeah. Let's throw them under the bus first before we give them the graciousness of just, hey, it's a small misinterpretation. Let's go with what is this whole rapture storyline? What is uh, of these core evangelicals that seem to believe in, from what I can understand, Jews building a third temple and Jesus coming back? Uh, but I'll hand it to you because I don't actually know the storyline. I've read a couple articles and it just seems a little out there for me. Uh, so I'll hand it back to you. Why don't you at least lay, let's give them the, uh, the I, I don't know, the platform's yours to tell us what they believe. Like what is the actual core belief there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the essence of it is that when Jesus came and lived on earth at his first coming, he instituted, he essentially interrupted, though, he interrupted God's plan that involves establishing himself, his kingdom on earth through the Jewish people. And he temporarily suspended his plan of working with the Jewish people so that then he could have a different people that is made up of people from all different ethnic backgrounds, which we would call the church. But in this line of thinking, there is a, going to be a time toward the end of time. This is and this is how the world is going to reach its 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 conclusion and go on into eternity. Um, there is going to be a time when God will resume working with the Jewish people again as His people, and so. In order for that to happen, the Jews need to eventually migrate back to this uh, this land that would have been historically Israel, which is actually broader than just the territory that Israel contains today. Um, so that's part of why there's a desire to keep expanding that territory. Um, but then at that time, at some point when in either all of the Jews or enough of the Jews have returned to the land, and in some versions of this, enough of them have converted to believing in jesus that means that then the the, everyone who believes in jesus will be taken away this is the term for this is the rapture maybe you've seen the left behind uh series or all of that Um, those those movies the the books that were very popular people will disappear planes will be crashing um, empty clothes you know suits of clothes just in chairs and stuff um, cause I guess we show up in in heaven uh, naked. But that's not the end of the end of the story. At that point, then the world gets really bad for seven years, and the Antichrist um, rebuilds the temple for the Jews in Jerusalem, where it actually sacrifices, leads the Jews in a sense, um, and then he betrays the Jews, um, the the Jewish people, and persecutes them. Um, and this is a really awful time called the tribulation. And then at that point, then Jesus comes back again for real, not just halfway to snatch everyone up, but he comes back for real. There's a resurrection. There's a battle. And good is good is victorious. Evil is defeated. Christ reigns on earth over a Jewish kingdom for a thousand for years. And then there's another battle. And that is the actual final battle where there's a final judgment. And then if you are on Jesus's side, you are... You're raised to eternal life, and if you are not on Jesus' side, then you uh, suffer uh, eternal punishment.
0: All right, so, so let's let's just let's just break this down a little bit because um, there's a lot of specifics here, and I feel like if uh, this was God's plan, uh, I guess He really gave mm-hmm. us the whole playbook and really desires some very specific outcomes uh, to, I guess, have everyone you know find Jesus in their heart. But let's just start with the first idea that you stated, which was that God was intending on having a relationship with the Jewish people that was interrupted by Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of the first statement. So I, I got to ask that just the how question of how does the son of God get sent to Earth to interrupt the process that God wanted?
1: Sorry, maybe I should have clarified, though, that yeah. Jesus Jesus came to offer the Jews, the kingdom that God had promised to them, but because they rejected Him, mo- most of them—not not all of them—obviously, right. all of the initial apostles and believers in Jesus were Jews. But as a whole, the Jewish people did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Right. Therefore, that kingdom was postponed. So okay. it wasn't. So let, it was an offer, but not. Right. Um, so let, let me not, ask you a question: they, they didn't take him up on it
0: on that one and uh you know i'm I'm outside of uh my uh my bible classes but it would seem to me if i'm living in jerusalem this is time of the this is towards the end of the second temple before the romans kind of took over right is that kind of the right the the, the, the that time was, period it
1: was yeah the romans were in charge but they hadn't destroyed the temple they'd kind of reached this this uneasy right. truce with the they they reached an accommodation for the right and i guess
0: that was before like the siege of jerusalem yes which took place later okay fine (laughs) um so during this time period you know you got well i guess this is kind of the almost the glory days for uh for rabbinic judaism i I believe they might have even had like the uh the high court system at that time um i'm more familiar with kind of the religious scholars uh post the temple destruction when they started to kind of codify the oral law but you've got Judaism, you know, at the end of its heyday, you got your you got your second temples cooking, you've got your religious scholars in Judaism. It's quite a 180 for some guy to come along and go, hey, listen, I'm actually the Messiah here and we're not keeping all these laws, but instead you're gonna put me in charge and then we're really gonna have a relationship with God. Hmm. It just like, it would seem to me like uh, God would need a little bit more of a, like even if you look at the Moses story, he at least gives them the party tricks of, hey, show up with the snake. We're going to have the plagues. We're going to have all these things to kind of show that you're the leader. Um, what was like kind of the game? I mean, this is God we're talking about here. God God would kind of think things through, have some pretty good plans. So I guess if it's a test of the Jewish people to see whether or not they're going to accept Jesus, right? I guess that, would, that was the test. Like if you were in that time, and I guess according to this explanation, the Jews failed that test. But like, what what was you know what reason would they have had to have accepted Jesus? Like, what 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 was the test of God there for the Jewish people that I'm just I, within this like worldview was kind of a failed test? Like, why why is it that they should have gone? Yeah, we're going the Jesus route and kind of one eighty. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. There's no. like a something that doesn't add up to me.
1: Yeah, and so that that's a great question or a couple of questions in there. And uh, again, for the for the sake of this argument we would if we're accepting within the logic of the perspective the christian perspective that the new testament contains an accurate portrayal of what jesus said and did the perspective that's presented there is that actually things weren't all that great for the jews in many respects because their their heyday would have been the days past yeah david and solomon and that that kind of um yeah that 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 would have been a thousand years prior to to this time and so what jesus claims is that he is he and and the gospel writers are intentionally presenting him in this way as he's doing things that indicate that he is the fulfillment of the purposes of the prophet moses that he's the prophet greater than moses the term messiah is a davidic term that he is an inheritor to the throne of david so he's not just going to The offer is, or the hope, the offer is that he's not just going to, um, you know, that things are not just going to continue on as they are, but that there's going to be uh, an actual kingdom that where the Jews can be independent and they can present, you know, that they can live, live in peace, not oppressed by the Romans. Now, the reason then why. Jesus's pitch
0: was put me in charge and then God's going to what bestow us with strength and we're going to be able to overthrow the Romans.
1: Well, that, the thing is that that is what many of his followers believed that his, that his mission was because they looked at the promises of the Hebrew Bible, that this is what the Messiah, the descendant of David, was going to do. But Jesus's actual message was that actually I'm going to achieve this kingship and this peace with God through humility, through a life of service, through... Um, encouraging people to repent and then through ultimately laying down his life uh, as a sacrifice for humanity that and so that was why as you read if you read through the New Testament and the stories of Jesus' life many times people started following him because they thought he was going to overthrow the Romans and then he stops or he says something then they're like, wait a minute I thought we were going to go that we're heading to Jerusalem with swords right. and and that then people abandon him at that point.
0: Was this also around the time of, like, uh, Rabbi Akiba and Bar Kokhba, if I'm pronouncing the names correctly? Um,
1: yeah, those are correct. Uh, it's actually about 100 years before. So that would have been the Bar, the oh, Bar so Kochva Revol- revolt. Yeah, it would have been about 132 to 135 um, CE or AD. So, yeah, 100 years after after Jesus. So okay. there, this, was, there, this yeah. was a thing that Jewish people had in mind that, some Jews, not all, right but many of them believed that there was going to be a messianic figure that was going to restore their independence and their the, the kingship descended from david
0: got it and so in the christian or at least in the evangelical storyline um it was a uh, missed opportunity of the jews to embrace uh, uh jesus as the as the new messiah uh and since there was that missed opportunity um it kind of there's a bit of a jump then to we need to correct for that it's almost like a almost like in the Adam of Eve story it's almost like we're looking backwards and going we have to redo it without eating apples right so there was Mm -hmm. this moment in time where the Jews should have accepted Jesus they failed and didn't accept Jesus but in God's but then the nations
1: got a chance to get in there right
0: yeah right no but it's like why is it that they believe that there's going to be a redo on this moment i guess is my Mm -hmm. question because like if you look at the apple you know the adam and eve story or really any of the other stories in the bible mistakes are made by people and we don't look back and go well god's going to give these people another opportunity at the same thing um so this would suppose that you know they missed their opportunity god sent them the messiah but if we can get enough of these people back in the same region. And then also get them to convert up front, then they'll get a second chance at this Messiah.
1: Yes, the way you're presenting it doesn't sound like it makes sense. And that's because it doesn't make sense to me either. Right. <laughs> so, but I think, I think some of this has to do with... The, well, okay, it all has to do with the, the tendency among evangelicals who have this perspective to read the Hebrew Bible... What we would call the Old Testament, in a literalistic fashion that doesn't take account of the way that later inspired scriptures, scriptures we believe is inspired, transformed the meaning of some of these um, some of these things. And that, let me give can I give you a couple of examples of this actually sure. that are really really important. So, um, <clears throat> as you've rightly identified in one of your earlier podcasts, one of the most important storylines in the bible is how the israelites were saved from captivity in egypt and then were supposed to dispossess the land of canaan from the indigenous peoples there uh, by violence and so they have these um these people that they are they are given carte blanche to go in and utterly destroy and the in the book of deuteronomy in the torah it makes clear in chapter 20 that they're, they're able to kill everything in all the people, all the animals, and that this is an exception to the normal rules of war. It's like here are the normal rules of war, but then here's what you're supposed to do to the Canaanites. Um, and the motivation that's given in that text is that they are not supposed to intermarry with and adopt the religious practices of these of, of the Canaanites. And scholars will disagree about the historicity of a lot of this stuff. like did, did God actually command this? did they do it? Did they actually do it? And this would be in the middle of the second millennium BCE. So like 1500 or 1300 BCE. Um, And how thoroughly did they actually do it if they did? But the relevant issue for religious readers of the Bible is not so much whether the Israelites did this violence, but how these texts were interpreted and applied by later readers, both Jewish and Christian. And so, This isn't just a subjective the texts mean whatever the reader thinks but rather does the tradition that we consider the word of god give us a way of applying these texts in different ways and so for jews there's one example was really um really relevant A, a thousand years later after the long after the heyday of david and solomon the land is conquered by the babylonians many jews are deported under the Persians, many of them are allowed to return in the sixth century. Um, They're recolonizing this land uh, with the permission of the Persian emperor. And we have this situation where Jewish men were intermarrying with what the, the text of the book of Ezra calls Canaanite women and other groups. And so they are starting to adopt their language, religion, and culture. And whether these women were actually descended from historical Canaanites doesn't really matter it's not knowable. But the way that the community leaders, Ezra and Nehemiah, read their Torah and applied the kill the Canaanites passages in the Torah was separate from these wives and children and divorce them and send them away. And you can debate whether that was a good thing or you know, a righteous thing to do. I think the text is a little ambiguous on that. But what it does show us is that just killing these people is not Part of the, it's not on the table. It's not an option for them. So, and they believe that they are faithfully applying the killing passages against the Canaanites by separating from these people. Um, and so, for Christian—that's an example for Jews—a resource within their own text that te- teaches us how to inter- interpret those violence uh, passages. And for Christians, this is where I think the key misunderstanding happens on the for the Rapture folks, is that. In the New Testament, the the symbols and the story of Israel are reinterpreted in light of Jesus's birth, life, death, and resurrection. So as we already said, and what, what I'll say here is this is probably what almost all Christians in all different denominations believed up until about 200 years ago. Jesus is the Messiah of the Jews, but like in many of the books in the Hebrew Bible, The Messiah would be a universal leader that would attract people from many different ethnic groups. Um, Second point is that the Exodus from Egypt is a foreshadowing of the freedom from sin that all people, Jews and Gentiles can receive by believing in Jesus. And this is why Jesus, you know, the night on which he was betrayed and, and then he went to his death the next day was a Passover night and he's celebrating a Passover Seder with his with his followers because of that symbolism. Um, the, the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites and then the, the conquest of the land, is, these are reconstrued in the Christian story as not being about finding a homeland to violently take over by conquest, but, but about spiritual striving, dare, dare we say a, a jihad, but a spiritual striving in the Christian life until we reach the, the promised land, which is eternal life, um, and that's in the, the 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 letter in the New Testament that we call the letter to the Hebrews, uh, chapter four. And then this is the real important part. And then I'll I'll let you, you know, stop and ask questions. But the land that is promised to Abraham's descendants in the Hebrew Bible is reinterpreted in two ways. The descendants that are going to be the physical descendants are actually reinterpreted as jesus himself the the true descendant of abraham and then all those who believe in him regardless of of ethnicity and so this is why christianity is a we might call a universal religion anyone can join it's not an ethnocultural religion um like like judaism i mean you could convert to judaism but you have to go through a a process to get in Um, whereas with christianity and islam all you have to do is say a confession and you're and you're in Um, And then the land, the promise to Abraham, is reinterpreted, it's expanded to include the whole world and not just a strip of land in the Middle East. Um, And so Jesus actually, by what he came to achieve, is not just giving a small strip of land to a small ethnic group, but inheriting the whole earth for uh, all those who, who put their trust in him. And so I think that this is this is a fair summary of what most Jews, at least that the other perspective about violence and how it's really more about separation, and then what most Christians believed about about the the land and the promises, until about 200 years ago, when some interesting things, interesting interpretations were floated.
0: All right, so let me kind of recap here. Yeah. A Sorry, that was a long rambling. There. No, no, it's all good. So, uh, before let's before we get into the evangelicals and their reinterpretations, I have no knowledge of the New Testament. I honestly don't even know that much of what the Christian gospel or storyline is. It's just not part of my education. But essentially, um, Jesus comes along and he goes, "Hey, I'm the new Messiah, uh, and I am going to lead." Um, the the jewish people were going to get rid of the romans but also at the same time the jesus is a is a reinterpretation of large parts of the bible which include uh i guess there's not even a need to be in jerusalem uh because it's more of just a uh actually there's no reason for conquest or going anywhere because we're only describing spiritual journeys
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say that Jesus didn't claim that he was going to yes. overthrow the Romans, but that's what people interpreted his messianic message as because right. they were reading their their scriptures. Now, there... So it was a little bit unexpected.
0: Right. Isn't there something a little bit... I'm trying not to knock it here, but I, I, I will just ask the question the way it's coming to me in my head. It seems a little silly to me to be standing in Jerusalem, an area that's conquered by Jews... And going, hey, the people that were here that came to conquer this territory got this wrong. And when we left Egypt and we were wandering the desert and then we were brought here, we actually could have just gone anywhere because this was about a spiritual journey. Doesn't Mm -hmm. that just not line up with the Bible? I mean, if you're going to accept the Old Testament is accurate, you have the Old Testament story. We're taken out of Egypt by God and we're brought to Jerusalem. So then the whole being brought to Jerusalem thing. And then onwards, they just, what they, everyone just had gotten that wrong until Jesus came around.
1: Well, I would say, and again, I I think it's, this is, you know, I'm a Hebrew Bible scholar, but I'm also a Christian. So do with that what you will. But I think that the Hebrew Bible itself contains within it, both, both the Torah and the prophets and the writings contains within it these seeds of it's not just about Jerusalem it's not just you about this land. I
0: understand going hey it's not just about but that uh, to say it's not just about like sure I mean even within religious Judaism you'll have people saying that you know like there, uh, after the second temple the whole thing kind of got recreated into more of a study of Talmudic law it moves away from sacrifices like mm-hmm. I mean there were core uh activities of the jewish culture and religion which would revolve around a temple and sacrifices that doesn't exist anymore and no one said hey we're done with judaism it pivoted Mm -hmm. but that's a lot different to me than uh, reinterpreting is also i i don't understand how you separate that from rejecting all the earlier activities like because you're not just going you're not saying hey i'm here and we're going to be starting a new journey that's something that, that that's a different claim
1: well, I think Jesus, as presented in the Gospels, is not saying this is a new journey. He's saying this is what the old journey was leading. to. But us it wasn't.
0: Wait, well, it, it wasn't. I, I mean, I guess mm. you could say. I, I mean, to say that when they were coming to Israel, yeah, I, I that's that's already a different claim. So it's yeah, not passages so much like,
1: that, like like Isaiah two, where it says yeah. that the the Torah you know, that the, the nations will stream to Jerusalem and say, let's go to worship the God of Israel and um, let's, you know, ha- Hashem will judge us and teach us his ways and the law, the Torah will go forth from Zion. So it's like, it's envisioning that Israel would not just be this, this people that keeps to themselves, but actually then the goodness of of the Lord's law would then spread out to all nations. So there is a universal vision, I think, in the Hebrew Bible.
0: Well, I would, uh, from what I remember, the universal vision of the Hebrew Bible was that, um, firstly, anyone can convert to Judaism. I think, if anything, there's a lot of laws. And so the screening process is more of a, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to do this. You're going to have to keep a lot of stuff. Are you sure you want to do this? It's kind of a burden. Uh, And then even in the Jewish faith, if you convert, you're not allowed to ask someone about their past. Like it's a it's actually Mm -hmm. it's a law in the Bible uh, that once someone converts, they're Jewish. You're not you're not supposed to be like, hey, where'd Mm -hmm. you come from? Why would you end up here? They're 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 part of the crew at that point. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the idea of Judaism for the other religions and uh, maybe this is uh, too charitable of an interpretation, uh, but it's that everyone else is supposed to the other nations are supposed to keep the seven laws of the sons of Noah. Um, which I think is a slightly abridged version of basically the Ten Commandments that I would assume I don't remember but I would just assume it doesn't include maybe keeping Sabbath and maybe I, I don't know I don't I don't quite remember but I think it's like just those man-to-man laws of don't kill people don't steal yeah it, it's 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 natural those
1: natural law is kind of yeah. what yeah it,
0: you're basically down to natural residence. law with the idea of the Jewish people, um having uh additional things that they have to keep and then hopefully being a light onto the other nations of i guess here's the uh uh here's the reasons for I, I don't even know from there of keeping your natural law but just you're not you're not really required um to do more um so i don't know that like that necessarily like that interpretation would be a rejection of the idea of like what you just put forward from i think it was ezekiel i don't i don't I actually that. don't know the, yeah. I actually don't know the later books of, uh, uh, oddly enough, we studied the first five and then we jumped to Talmud and I didn't, I didn't delve all that into uh, all those later prophets.
1: Well, but even in the Torah, you have Genesis yeah. 12, Abraham, the, the promise to Abraham is that all nations of the earth would be blessed through through him and through his, his descendants. So, so there's something there. No, I think that's a fair, it's a fair point. In a sense, what we're, I mean, what now, what we're arguing is, um we're 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 arguing well, uh, about the, the religious right. difference between religious jews and religious right. christians so i'll tell you what because where does I, the where does the old testament with the right. bible direct us
0: so i'll pivot because i actually have no interest in uh uh i i don't want to i don't want to nitpick at at christianity at large um because mm-hmm. one i'm not that informed on it and two i i uh, I prefer to just take a pro-religious uh, stance, and whatever whatever way you find faith or want to do it, that doesn't include uh, killing other people or hijacking our government uh, to send resources to particular teams. Like I just I don't take issue with. So, um, so why don't we why don't we pivot back to uh, specifically this evangelical, uh, I guess, change that you say took place 200 years ago, where I guess they're going to back to a more literal. Uh, outlook at the Bible, which then in tandem comes with a very specific recipe, which I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question. How did, how did this prophecy become so specific? And according to them, it's a two-part question. Is this the only way we're getting into heaven? Like, is this, is this now the only way that this story can go for us to have a, like, it's firstly, what is their storyline of how this prophecy came to be? Like, it just seems very specific and two yeah. is in their head. Is this the only recipe for success?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, the second question uh, is shorter. So I can answer that more, more precisely is that, yes, this is, this would be considered the only way. Now I think for those who have the more complicated, this more complicated, very detailed view and for religious Christians who, who don't take this same view, though, like like myself, we can still be, in a sense, exclusivistic, meaning that we believe that Jesus is that that everybody, Jews and Gentiles, needs to believe in Jesus. That doesn't mean that we have to say that all of these specific end times things are part of the part of the plan. But the first question: How did this come to be? Well, <clears throat> um, in in the nineteen, the eighteen go back to the 1820s and 30s, um, you have this movement that begins in England called the Plymouth Brethren, um, founded by a, a fellow named John Nelson Darby. And this is a new interpretation, new set of interpretations based on a very literalistic reading of the Old Testament. So he was frustrated with a lot of, he was an Anglican cleric who was frustrated with, with the um, not seriousness or or liberalist, theological liberalism of the Church of England. And so he was looking for groups of people who would read the Bible with him very closely, and they were reading in a very literalistic fashion. Um, And so they came to believe that the promises for ethnic Israel in the Old Testament are still applicable for ethnic Jews and not transformed in this way in in the New Testament. And so God's plan for humanity is temporarily suspended. As we said, the the word parenthesis is used. While he works with the church which is all all ethnic groups but then will be continued when the jews return to israel rebuild the temple um and then convert eventually to believing in jesus on a large scale and there's various you know scholar and i'm and i so i'm a hebrew bible scholar i've studied the history of religion this is not my particular field but i lived in it you know as a as right. a person you know as a as an adherent to it for a while but I think that part of the reason why this spreads is a few a few stages that lead to this spread. One is that um, there are there is a desire among the lay people to have these Bible reading groups to get get back to the biblical text. Apart from establishment religious figures like theologians and church hierarchies, this gets exported then to America or imported to America, where there's a much more free market in religion and it's very difficult to have religious authority in the frontier. So if you're a Presbyterian or a Catholic a a Presbyterian minister or a Catholic bishop, you can do what you can do and you're, you know, maybe supervising a few different churches. You're riding on a circuit in the 1860s to minister at all these churches. But then if some guy shows up in your town, one of these towns would throws up a tent and starts preaching, he can, preaching. Right. he can just do whatever so he wants
0: evangelical it, uh, the the U.S. was an open market uh for yep. evangelicals so here's my question now let's oh, say you're an evangelical and what, you believe one this. one
1: more really important yeah. step that happens here it does actually go through traditional authorities in 1909 there's a a lawyer not a theologian named C.I. Schofield Cyrus Schofield um guy with a rather sketchy pre-Christian personal life and no theological training, but he writes notes on the Bible, like study notes on the Bible that contain this perspective. And he had a friend who was at Oxford University Press. And so in 1909, his notes were actually published by OUP as the official King James Bible that was published in the United States. And so this is how this particular approach Spread very widely to How American that households. How does So, just
0: some random guy's na- notes gets canonized as if it's like Christian lore.
1: I don't know. He was very he was very entrepreneurial, and I would say, I mean, having read these, um, so funny story is that the university, the Christian university that I that I attended, which no longer holds this perspective, was actually a, a predecessor or a successor university or institution to a Bible Institute founded by this guy, C.I. Right. Scofield. So we had to read these notes when I was in, in college. We had to read the Bible along with these notes, even though most of the professors didn't take them that seriously anymore. But, I mean, most of this stuff is pretty common sense, I would say. It's really only a very handful of passages that have this particular perspective. So, so there's not really a lot of red flags. If you're just right. a traditional Christian reader, this this gets in very All easily. Right. But, now so, but it is to that sort if of like popular level, right. plus the authority, the authenticity that get, gets given by the OUP. public. So let's
0: go. You're 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 a hardcore evangelical. Let, let's just say that mm-hmm. there was a committee of hardcore evangelicals. And let's just imagine a universe where literally there was a one world government and these five people sat on top of the one world government and they controlled the world and they could absolutely make decisions. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm asking, would step one to them be, hey, we got to round up all the Jews and send them to Israel? Step two is we gotta figure out how to convert them to Judaism. Step three, we need them to go build a temple. Like what what like I'm just saying, if they could absolutely to a T work out their plan and get us, you know, anyone who accept Jesus into their heart, their ticket to heaven, because they believe that this is that this is like in their heads, this is what God wants. God wants us to be in heaven and he gave us a specific recipe on how to do it and now you've got full control to go exercise and do it is that is that is that the recipe here step one force everyone to go there step two force them to convert step three we got to force them to build a temple and then it just and then it goes for an autopilot from there like we've done the steps we need to do
1: yeah I mean the way you put it sounds very um I mean because you because you've created this one world uh government that makes this happen it sounds very uh coercive but what, what I think you're
0: saving everyone from internal damnation and you're bringing about you know you're bringing about God's plan into the world so who cares I I, I mean right. it, one, right. once we're working with God's will you can remove your uh our earthly concerns about force because you've got the word of God in your hands and like of course you should use force you can save people
1: well I wouldn't I don't think I don't think most people even who who believe in Scripture would, would put it in that way because of the use of wouldn't. force. The use like, of force would it's not would an override accurate. would override the choices that people made. I and mean, you can't who, force wait. Who, who, in who in this
0: prophecy said anything about uh, about needing to make choices?
1: Well, and that's the problem. Is that I think what most people don't understand is that what we have, and uh, many Jewish scholars and Christian scholars have pointed this out, is that it's like a the the relation between religious or Jews and Christian Zionists is kind of a marriage of convenience because Christian Zionists all believe that Jews need to believe in Jesus in order to uh, have a relationship wanna, with God wanna, and be I, saved. I, I, I so it does feel like specific. it's like,
0: just in terms yeah. of understanding if you're a hardcore evangelical and you had the power to do what I said, is that the recipe?
1: That, that sounds, yes, I guess, I guess that's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm not trying to attribute. Yeah.
1: I guess so. The short answer is yes.
0: So then amidst the hardcore evangelicals, I guess my next question would be, because obviously they don't have that kind of power, they don't have that kind of control over the world, Um, and in my opinion, like, you know, working government posts and trying to push anything uh, that's coming, like, that seems to me to be, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not hating on Christianity. I'm more just hating if you've got this interpretation using government resources to push it, but... I'm curious to know, like, I, I guess what percentage of uh, like the world or even American Christians like, you know, are taking this perspective mm-hmm. and two of the people in government, because I think, you know, if, if if you think you're working and this is sometimes the problem with uh, religious faith, but if you think you're working with the hand of God, so it's like, yeah, you should lie to your consist- constituents. Of course you should. Like, you've got to you've got to try and push forward on this heavenly plan here. Which it just changes the rules of the game in terms of kind of morals and ethics when people, um, which I think is the same problem sometimes with uh, terrorism and killing people in the name of God is that you think you've got, you know, uh, God has instructed you to do so. So even though you're doing something atrocious, it's for uh, moral capacity. So I guess my question is like... uh, I, I, it's really two part. How big do we think this problem is? Like, how many people are we actually talking about? How many people potentially in government? And how aggressively are they actually trying to push on this?
1: Well, yeah, those are those are difficult fact, factual questions. But right, the fact the fact is that um, I would say this theology, this general understanding of the Israel has an the ethnic Israel and the Jews have an important role to play in the end times. Is the default theology about the end times for people who I who go to most like non-denominational megachurches, um, most Baptists, most people who identify as Pentecostal or charismatic, and then many smaller groups within more mainline or would call so it confessional it. traditions. So here's so, what we're looking but, at. But the, those are some of the yeah. biggest groups in America. So, no, so I get it. It's now, a how a much do bit... they prioritize this? it varies a lot based on the church and how how big a deal this is for them in terms of how, how much they focus on it.
0: No, I think I get it. It's a little bit more casual. It's a little bit like uh, what uh, I think Colonel McGregor has described of the US war agenda, which is, let's just go there and we'll figure it out. And so it sounds to me like people just loosely, uh, buy into the concept that in order for christianity to move forward and for the messiah to come back we do need the jews to be in israel and so they're just supportive of that concept but there's not really no general has sat down with an a b c d e storyline that people are looking at people have just largely bought into the idea of uh of hey let's have the jews in israel and let's support that and we'll kind of see how it plays out
1: well and to be fair there are a lot of other there are other priorities and other things that the Bible says have to happen as well. Um, or in this literalistic reading, for example, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is supposed to be preached to every ethnic group in the world. And so there are many people who, which which is a, a as a Christian, is something that I support. But it it's something that's a very very long and arduous
0: task. So Did there's a the lot good, of stuff that has to get done. The good news about Jesus.
1: Yes, the gospel means good news.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fun. I just, I, I like the idea of knocking on a door being like, hey, good news, people of Africa. A thousand years ago, there was this Jesus guy, and uh, if we give enough Jews in Israel, he might come back and you can go to heaven.
1: But the gospel is not about the Jews, it's about. It would be right, right.
0: Jesus. Right. Yes. No, no, I get it. Um, all right. So uh, last couple questions while I have you here and then I'll give you the, uh, um, the floor if you think we missed anything or if there was anything else that came up on Run Your Mouths you wanted to uh, um, address. But while I have you here... Um, this came up, we, we did a wild part of the problem when we were in San Diego, because uh, I had brought up the, the, the topic of the rapture and we had some evangelicals in the first row. Uh, it was wild, the audio was not great, so I don't even know if it's gonna be put out even though there were some really fun and funny moments. Um, but the concept of the Jesus missing years and the, that he might've gone to Japan had come up. Uh, and this came out of when I had asked what did i was just making the joke of people are very excited for round three jesus but it doesn't seem like he did a lot in round two uh it sounds to me like he kind of came back and said hey guys i'm back and then just left um so i i'm curious if i i don't know the gospel i'm actually asking like in the uh christian storyline what did like when he came back the second time what did he do and is there some storyline of 12 to 30 jesus we don't know what he was doing and he might have been in japan
1: yeah, I've never heard never heard that <laughs> bit about Jesus being in Japan. Um, okay, I have a co- close colleague who's in Japan. I could I could ask him. Um, but uh, so I mean, I would say that what what you're calling you're calling the second the second round Jesus is after he's raised from the dead. Yeah, and then he ascends into heaven. Right. Um. You know, so forty days. That's a very short period of time in the story. I would still think of that in terms of first round Jesus. This is just his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, and then the second coming would be second round Jesus. Now, the problem with, again, this rapture theology is that second round Jesus comes back, but then he stops, and he goes back up, right? Right. That's what he takes everyone who is his well, people I guess with his, him.
0: That's his party trick. He likes <laughs> <laughs> he likes ascending He's, to heaven.
1: Yeah, and this is, a, I think, a complete misunderstanding of the, right. of the text that's there. It's, it's the wrong way of looking at it. Um, but, um, Yeah, I mean, I would say. So what did
0: in the in the forty days before Jesus ascended to heaven? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So he was just like dead, dead. He was down. He was down in hell. There was forty days of Jesus like battling demons in hell. Like, what what was he doing for those forty days?
1: Um, There's a couple of passages that are more obscure in the New Testament that speak about him going to the place of the dead. It's not exactly clear what he did there, but the testimony of the gospels is that he bodily rose from the dead. And so his spirit was reunited with a recreated physical body. And he lived in that body for 40 days on the earth before ascending into heaven. And that is the basis of the Christian hope, which is that the all those who believe in Jesus, even if we die in these bodies, that we will still at some point be raised again and receive new bodies that are Somehow, like Jesus's body, physical and yet recreated, and we don't know a whole lot about that. What right. that looks like, because we if, only have one example.
0: All right, I just got one more question on that, though. If there is an afterlife and I get to go to heaven, why do I got to keep my dumb, stupid body?
1: <laughs> well, this is something. This is interesting again, because Jesus. I think there's something profound in that in that question, and I I've thought a lot about this, and of course, late night discussions in with. Christian friends, guy friends in college, you come up with all sorts of stupid, like you know, stupid scenarios. Like what right. happens if uh, if a cannibal eats a missionary, and then the the becomes part of his body, but then the cannibal becomes a Christian, and then dies immediately, and then there's the resurrection. So where does this matter? That was is does the matter get to be part of the missionary's body, right, or the cannibal's the repentant cannibal's body? I think that there's something just as Jesus. Is presented as having marks on his hands and in his side from where he had scars of his previous life but yet is completely healed there's some sort of continuity with our former appearance and our former um you know existence yet we won't have sickness and death and illness anymore
0: but why is because- that better than just being in heaven like i guess in, in my version of uh judaism or whatever you die and you go to heaven so if I if I die and I go to heaven why do I got to come back and be re, like reunited with like it, it currently in the Christian belief so if you die are you not going to heaven you're just chilling in your body until someone brings Jesus back
1: it, the I my understanding of the Jewish hope as well as the Christian hope is that you're when you die your spirit goes to a place of rest but that there is a physical resurrection that will happen at the end of time And the reason is because human beings are created, the created body and soul to live in a body embodied existence. I mean, isn't that a knock on heaven? Enjoy stuff.
0: Isn't that a knock on heaven to say that there's a better, there's a better version of it, which is being reacquainted with your body? Like I would think that the, to me, the theoretical spot of heaven that doesn't include a body, is a, a pleasurable space beyond my current comprehension. Having to come back to Earth in a body, but it's a better version of Earth. Sounds a lot more limiting than the theoretical heaven.
1: Well, but why not have a the spiritual ecstasy of the communion with God and also physical existence where you can enjoy, you know... But why have and, the physical? I'm just saying... Because I, that's I, how if, God created us, to be both yeah, but, soul and body. I,
0: right, but then to be of soul. Why would I want to be of soul and body if I can have the option to just be soul?
1: I mean, these, well, this is getting real real deep and philosophical into you know platonism and and both both judaism and christianity had their challenges were challenged by platonism and this view that just being in the spiritual realm is just better and this is where i think a lot of both jews and christians don't understand their own traditions but right the actual hope and the actual natural mode of human existence is to live as body and soul together and that's been screwed up by human sin and you know, that leads us to death, but that the the hope is for redemption, not just of our souls, but also of, of our bodies in, in the, last so
0: the, day. the hope is uh, and are we living to infinity in this new reality? So I'm supposed to so I get an infinite existence of body and soul? Like that's the that's the ideal? Yeah. Uh, I don't like this. I don't know. I like, <laughs> but but
1: you're not getting old, you're not getting sick, you get to eat grapefruits and chocolate. As much I don't know.
0: More. I I, I kind of I I now I'm kind of liking the idea of just at some point having a, <laughs> a capacity and checking out. I don't think I like the idea of infinite existence on this earth, but uh, partic- But I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe it'll be great and wonderful, and I'm just not understanding it. Um, all right. Before I let you go, I really do appreciate you coming on, giving us the insight. And uh, firstly, um, I-, I love that there are uh, uh, actual academics listening to the show, and I really appreciate because you do know my humor sensibilities that you are willing to come on and uh, you know share these topics with us. Um, before I call an episode, I will hand you uh, back the floor if there are any other um, specific things, uh, you thought we overlooked, you really wanted people to know, or, you know, anything else, even if you just want to let them know where they can find you. And, you know, possibly, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe you might be, re- be reaching people in the foreign lands, or you don't even need to knock on their doors.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I would say, I think the note I want to end on is, yeah. is a, is a friendly note to those people who I think are making a big Big mistake by supporting by supporting Israel on these religious grounds. I mean, we can understand historically. There's a lot of sympathy with Israel because of the, the Holocaust and because of the prominence of of Jews in American life. Um, it's very very important. And I think that um, it's possible for a Christian to be to take a more pro-Israel stance. But not for these reasons. And so, if if you're doing just this, if you're taking this perspective, then this is this is what that evangelicals will tend to gloss over the unethical things that the Israeli state does because because they would say the end justifies the means. And so, to my fellow Christians, I would say the end does not justify um, the means. Um, and so, I I think that Christians should be seeking to call call both. You know, Hamas, the Palestinian people and Israel to to justice and to to, you know, behave in a just way in society. And that doesn't have anything to do with with um, with a religious belief about the significance of Israel. And I, I really appreciate you. Yeah. Being willing to talk about this, Uh Rob. I think I felt comfortable coming on, even though because I, I really appreciate you know, what you and Dave are are doing, I really appreciated the honesty that you guys had about COVID and about all of these things. And I really appreciate the, even though I'm not sure I'm all the way there with you and Dave on, on the Israel stuff on secular grounds, I still felt like we could have an honest conversation, a thoughtful conversation. And I think you sometimes sell yourself short. I think you're really smart and uh, not just trying to, you know, flatter you, but I think it's well, a really thoughtful yeah. show and I and I appreciate it so thanks hell for, yeah well thanks I, do for having me an, on.
0: I do have a natural curiosity and so when I can get my hands on some experts or people that are uh you know knowledgeable on the topics that are kind of coming up and I'm curious and it's nice to uh, fill in some of the gaps on what I really just don't know so yeah. thank you once again well, if you have any
1: other yeah questions people can find me at thinkhardthinkwell.com um and uh Rob you can hit me up again if you have any other biblical or theological questions. I may not know the answer, but maybe I can find, find the answer.
0: Hell yeah. This rule. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: You too.